Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thought. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring autism, biological sustainability, and the war on bugs. A concept all of my indigenous shamanic teachers held was being mindful of all of our relations. Nothing was too large or too small to be considered a relation. As it turns out, my teachers may have been onto something. The relationship between germs and disease was explored by Louis Pasteur between 1860 and 1864. From that time forward, 
Germs were deemed the enemy, and the war on bugs began. Given the human body hosts trillions of not only friendly, but necessary microorganisms, outnumbering human cells 10 to 1, in effect we're raging war on our own community, on our relations. The very organisms that are recognized as instrumental in maintaining health and balance have become collateral damage of this war. Are we now reaping the rewards of our folly? Is the hidden result of nearly destroying all our biological community coming to the fore? With us this hour to delve into the scientific aspect of this most important issue is Dr. Derek McFabe, the Assistant Professor and Director of Kaylee Petchel Evans Autism Research Group, Department of Psychology, Neuroscience, and Psychiatry, Division of Developmental Disabilities, at the Schuschnigg School of Medicine and Dentistry, Western University, London, Ontario, Canada. He's a core member of the iTarget Autism Initiative, University of British Columbia, Vancouver. Dr. Mafabe is currently a visiting professor for the Center of Healthy Living and Food and Innovation Faculty of Medicine, Mastery University, Netherlands. His research examines the role of gut microbiome interactions on the identification and possible treatments of autism spectrum disorders. His website, kpearg.com. Dr. Mafabe, thanks so much for joining us on the Science of Magic. It's a great pleasure to uh, speak with you today. Yeah, this this is really interesting. It's like the ancient thought that um, uh, it was a question of balance. Health was a question of balance rather than fighting disease. Uh, it's kind of coming back, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I think, um, again, we're going to talk about the microbiome as a whole collective of cooperation rather than uh, I win, you lose. So it's very interesting that multiple cultures around the world uh, are, you know, no one's right or wrong. They're looking at the blind man and the elephant of different aspects of what means to be healthy and sick. And Western medicine, and, and give it credit, we've made tremendous contributions and also the scientific meta- methods started by Greeks, but about, uh, you know, develop more today that we can kind of sort of try to take a step back has been very useful. But at the same time, you know, we learned about Descartes like we're a machine, but we're not a machine floating around, you know, in space on our own. We're connected to other people. We're connected to the environment. And I guess what we're going to talk about today, we're not alone and we're connected to all these little microbes that live in our gut that outnumber us 10 to 1. And they have a very underappreciated role in we used to think of them mostly as causing disease, but actually probably more preventing it. So it's a fascinating view about um, trying to look at things in another way in different cultures. But, you know, to be clear, you know, give the scientific method and trying to understand real mechanisms for this credit. And there's some real mechanisms on how, you know, we've been linked between our gut and our food. A lot of cultures have said that, you know, let medicine be thy food was Hippocrates and all disease begins in the gut where the, um, ancient Muslim teachers, and I even mentioned before, you know, people in, in Christianity talked about people tormented by demons and someone saying, you know, um, there are many of us living inside this man. So again, I'm going to talk mostly on the science, but people did look at relations between people's behavior and their how well they felt, how they felt emotions of all things in the most unexpected places in your digestive tract. <laughs> it is amazing. Now let's back up a little bit. You're the director of Kaylee Petchel Evans Autism Research Group. What is that? 
Well, um, what we started, it was back in 2003, my background's neurology and basic science, and what we tried to do was set up a consortium uh, to rationally examine some of these stories that, again, medicine starts with, hey, you know, the patient or the patient's family tells a story about this peculiar incidence between digestive system problems and autism and autistic behavior, and even in some cases we'll talk about later regression where the kids start out normal and have these lose their milestones. And what we wanted to do, the, the microbiome, was not was in its infancy at that point. But there were a lot of stories about these children having the effects, but people either dismissing it as imagination or, you know, you know, you thought that that was happening, and there were a lot of other things happening. But actually trying to set a, up a research consortium to very rationally look at, you know, how can food and guts and gut bugs and and a lot of other things contribute to some of these stories of these children craving these foods and having these gut problems and their behaviors getting worse, sometimes improving somewhat when the diet was changed. Again, to be clear, this isn't advocating therapies, just a story of this is not a disease that is sort of static. So what happened was it was quite serendipitous. I was working a lot in basic science and clinical medicine on brain physiology, and a parent of a child with autism uh, his name was David Patch Evans. Heard about our work, and um, we, you know, serendipitously wanted to set up a real scientific endeavor, first at a small scale in London, Canada, to try to look at all these linkages, bringing people together with all the different aspects of, of um, gut and brain and brain development, but try to expand this more so, trying to look at real science to tackle the hows. We believed the families when they were talking about these linkages about children, but we said, you know. There's a lot of things happening. We want to. It's one thing to say something happened. It's another thing to figure out what. And that's yeah, like let's narrow it down a little. Out. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand we think of ourselves as a single organism, but we're actually a symbiotic community. Would you speak to this? Right. Uh, you know, again, medicine before is we're just sort of walking around and we eat food, and that makes us eat. Um, you know, fuel for our bodies and. And then what we don't eat uh, goes south <laughs> through the digestive tract. And we basically, we knew a little bit about gut bacteria causing certain diseases, you know, gastroenterology, some severe infectious diseases, but we didn't really give any thought about this. So the understanding now is, you know, we are not alone. As I mentioned, we didn't have the techniques before, but now we do. We have 10 times more bacteria on our bodies, mostly in our digestive tract, but everywhere else, skin, you know, and they outnumber us 10 to 1. And their communities almost likened to, believe it or not, like a rainforest, everything interacting. It's a very complex network. And they produce compounds that affect us. And they affect a lot of our brain development, our immunity, right through life, right in pregnancy, early childhood. But the big deal seems pre- and postnatally life. And these compounds that they produce are tinkering around with us. And what's very interesting, you know, life seemed to have started in the dark recesses deep in the ocean with no oxygen, not unlike our guts. And that look, you know, some people have said if you really look at health and disease from the perspective anthropomorphically of the, these little guys, we're almost like their spaceship. And they may have evolved us to keep, give them a home, feed them, maybe even spread them around. I'm and starting when to you feel start used thinking, here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a win-win situation, right? And again, it's not I win, you lose, and, and this bug wins and you lose. It's that they're all cooperating. It's more of a network like a rainforest. And that's a lot to do from when we're born. We, You know, it's not a trivial fact. We pass through mom's 
birth canal and and there's a lot of fecal material and bacteria there and there's a huge example that that is priming junior's immune system and development and brain development and when we skew these things up sometimes now let me be very clear sometimes people need c-sections they're life-saving right and people need antibiotics they're life-saving but sometimes there is a consequence long term of skewing these little microbes early on uh, for routine infections now again we we do need these things when people tell me oh wouldn't it be great if we had it no antibiotics and we had no uh, c-sections well we probably have a world with a lot of these other conditions down that are involved with immunity and brain development autism allergies obesity but we'd also have 50 percent infant mortality but the mm-hmm. cure thing is is these bugs play a tremendous role throughout our life in in our general health and there are things that happen inadvertently partly from modern societies which have a lot of benefits let's be very clear about that that skew these microbes to leading to a lot of conditions of altered immunity and metabolism and brain development including all the things we're seeing in the world now increases in autism allergies behavior problems and right through life as we study this more um you know allergies inflammatory diseases depression even alzheimer's Mm. disease so it's a fascinating field and we're gonna have to pick it up on this fascinating field on the other side of a commercial break Dr. McFabe and I will return shortly, so don't you dare go away, because this is really interesting and life-altering stuff. Remember, you can always listen to past episodes free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. This is The Science of Magic with yours truly, Gwilda Wiecka, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV. Plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like x-zone sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. 
do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. Derek McFabe, the Assistant Professor and Director of the Kaylee Pitchall Evans Autism Research Group. Among his research is Gut Microbiome Brain Interactions. His website, kpearg.com. Dr. McFabe, my original Lakota teacher, Elder, he, he taught that rather than an invasion of foreign bugs, illness was a result of imbalance of the tribe or community, be it physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. From your studies, was he totally off base or is there something to that? No, again, I think people all around the world since the beginning of time were good observers about relations between things going right and not going right. They may not have been experts in... Uh, microbiome or microbiology, but that's not particularly relevant a few thousand years ago. But they did, it's very interesting that different cultures had this, again, a conceptual idea of balance, things out of balance, as opposed to something, a disease being something causing something. And let's be very clear, there are diseases that do do that. But there are also these illnesses that we don't, didn't know about as much, we're not as good at in Western medicine, these chronic inflammatory conditions where everything seems to be falling apart, we don't feel great, we have depression, we have aches and pains and inflammation and stuff, and we do end up having, being predisposed to some of those disorders, stroke, heart attack, certain cancers, not all of them, certain types, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but that in Eastern cultures too, it had an idea of balance. And... What we're learning more at a conceptual level, again, applying the Western idea of scientific study and you know, trying to non-biasly look at this, this imbalances, and again, that's a concept, not science, but imbalances in immune system, having too much or too little of an immune system or immune system doing something it shouldn't do or at the wrong time, or having imbalances in gut microbiome. Think of a rainforest that can be skewed by clear-cutting or too much fertilizer or too little or a fire leads to an imbalance. And these imbalances we may not see till weeks, years later. So some of these effects we'll talk about later. A lot of these microbiome changes, they're through life, but they may, a lot of the things that may predispose us to a lot of conditions may, in fact, even later on in Alzheimer's, not just autism we're talking about, maybe in the first few weeks and months of life as our little rainforest grows, uh, you know, being given usually from mom, but also the environment around us. So I think they're onto something. It's just a question of figuring out how. 
You know, this this is, uh, of course, in my opinion, Dr. Spock should have been shot. <laughs> but back in the 50s, <laughs> you know, forgive me for that, but back in the 50s, um, he had a great idea. And I don't think any of it was backed up by scientific study. But he had a great idea on how kids should be raised and how unsanitary nursing was and how schedules should be in there and we should bottle feed, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of women took it very, very seriously. How much effect has that had on our gut, the condition of our gut. I mean, we're drinking milk that was made for a cow. We're not getting the natural um, uh, goodies out of mama's milk. What do you think started there? Well, I think it's important that that we understand things and things evolve over time. Because I'll, you know, we'll probably talk about it later. We, particularly with antibiotics, we thought everything would be great, there'd be no problem, and then we look into the other conditions, we see there are problems. We don't want to throw the baby out. Even Dr. Spock's babies with the bath water. <laughs> he, like, let's be honest. He, look, he lived at a time where people were dying from a simple antibiotic infection that would kill you. You know, strep and other things, you would die. Or if you got any of these viral infections and certain things like polios, which were waterborne diseases, we forget where our ancestors have taught us both ways, the recent and the ancient. But it is true that when we were thinking of that thing about scrubbing everything down and scrubbing junior um, we would reduce the incidence of some illnesses, as I mentioned, those ones that could kill you or, or, or at least cause very severe problems. But you're absolutely right, there, and the use of antibiotics, that would be life-saving. But what we started to see after a while is there were consequences in large populations of gradually kind of, think of these antibiotics or antimicrobials as kind of skewing the microbiome for junior as they grow up. And... It's also indirect. The child doesn't have to have that. They could pick up weird bugs from other people. Um, the other thing is they grow up and have babies. So there's a fascinating animal study show a transgenerational effect. So, and it's the same with our foods. We have to deal with hygiene and foods. There are a lot of things that if, you know, can kill you, right? But at the same time, there's a balance between understanding preventions of certain illnesses and high-throughput agriculture that has the potential to lead to effects. Now, let's be very clear. You know, like I said, we could go and say we're going very well-meaning, go back and eat like our ancestors and go on a retreat in South Africa and eat that our, our ancestors used to eat, largely poorly cooked or uncooked, and by our standards, very insanitary food. But I'll tell you, working in those other parts of that world, you're going to get sick because your <laughs> yeah. immune system has been altered because you live in a different environment. But you're absolutely right. What we're finding in the overly sanitized view of tons of tons of these effects, when you look at large populations, you have short-term gain, which sometimes you need. You know, to not have a C-section with a child that's stuck <laughs> is not <laughs> a good a problem. thing. Yeah. Right. It's, and, and, and I'm going to be very clear, and we've talked about this in the discussion. This is not advocating against all these older practices or, or you know, medical practices. It depends when these things occur. But it is fair to say, broadly doing this and scrubbing everything completely away, and again, instead of using good old soap and water, uh, overly sanitized antimicrobials that not only do you have on your hands and you can change the microbes on your hands, which actually prevent you from other infections that usually go from your hand to your mouth, but these microbe, antimicrobials ingesting them over long periods of time are sort of, in the analogy, you know, culling the rainforest and the complexity and the ability of, of a complex microbiome to recover from illnesses. So you're right. But I think what we want in the future is kind of a mixture of multiple worlds that we can get the best of both worlds. So tell me about Goldilocks. 
<laughs> well, well, this is the thing that we've, we've found, and we'll probably talk a little bit later, is think of these bugs communicating with us. We can talk how the little molecules they produce that go through the bloodstream. Um, but what they're doing at a basic level depends what bugs are down there and what you're feeding them. And think of them as sending little signals to your, your guts, your immune system, uh, your, uh, your brain, your ability to store fats, and sending signals of information. So what, what, uh, think of that as like providing music or something. What matters, I tell all these students about understanding how the gut microbiome works and its products, is you have to borrow from Goldilocks, um, comedians, and real estate. The dose, these things provide information. The dose of the information has to be just right. Timing is everything from the commun uh, comedians. And location, location, location. So what we're finding is think of these bugs producing something like brain growth and development. But if it's happening at the wrong time, it can screw things up. What, the, the language isn't bad. It's just too much. It's nice to have background music in your house. But if it's blaring at 3 in the morning, it's a problem. <laughs> right? So things have to happen. Basically, largely what we're doing a lot in microbiome and host and health is understanding what's healthy, how the normal bugs sort of come in from junior, start producing these signal things to get junior's brain developing at the right time, get the immune system going at the right time. And what we're finding, the little compounds that these uh, agents produce. Some people go, oh, yeah, they're great or they're bad or they're evil or they're good. You've probably heard good bugs, bad bugs. Mm -hmm. It's not as simple as that. It's that um, are these things being produced too much too soon, either by, we talked about uh, squelching bugs with broad antimicrobials with ourselves in agriculture, but it's also feeding them. When we feed them, they, they poop out these little molecules, which is the signal system. So having too much of something too soon um, can, you know, wreck the normal development. Uh, we've used analogies of other little small molecules that can be good or bad for you depending on, on when you are. Um, let's look, you know, all cultural things aside, at something small like alcohol. Small amounts seem to be very useful and protect us from certain illnesses. High amounts will ruin you and destroy your liver and your brain, right? And But, but even... Tiny, tiny amounts in pregnancy or in the first few days of life can have enormous effects. You probably people have heard about fetal alcohol syndrome with little small amounts. So you have a compound that can be sort of good sometimes, bad sometimes, in low or moderate doses be healthy for you, in high doses help maybe one system and make another worse, and then even predispose you to you know certain cancers or illnesses later in life. So this is the more responsible way of understanding these little bugs, you know, they're in, they're in our guts. They're like a spaceship. They want to keep us around. Uh, they want us to be able to find their food and eat and maybe spread them around. But what happens in these illness conditions is, you're, it, again, it's the balance. You're getting too much or, or too little of something at the wrong time. So you hit the nail on the head in terms of the media often touts these things as being, you know, bacteria, we're all going to die from them. We, we, we certainly know about it, about antibiotic resistance. But the other views are a little oversimplistic at this stage that if we just completely went back to where we were, we would be completely healthy. I think uh, in the middle, we're what we're going to do is have a bit of both. And there's a lot of promise in, in, in these, the role of the microbiome in health and disease. 
That's wonderful because, uh, you know, listening to you, it, it, it seems like everything has uh, been oversimplified, leading us down a primrose path that isn't necessarily going to get us healthier. Um, and on the other side of it, we have a commercial break coming, but on the other side of it, I'd really like to get into, you know, there's all these diet fads, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and seems you know, a great idea, but is it really working? Does it work for me? Does it work for you? Does it work for me at a different age? I think that could be fun to dance with. So it is time for that commercial pause. Dr. Mafabe and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break, so you stay right there. Don't miss all the wonderful things we have to offer on our website, your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This is The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka on the wonderful Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnick's, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, 
a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. If you enjoy all the wonderful topics on our program, visit my blog where the adventure continues at our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I am your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and we're speaking with Dr. Derek McFabe, the Assistant Professor and Director of the Kaylee Patchell Evans Autism Research Group. His website, kpearg.com. That's a great website. You want to take a look at that. If you have any interest in this topic, and who can't? Because our lives depend on it. <laughs> so, you know, uh, the, before we went into the break, um, Dr. McFabe, we were talking about um, diets and how, well, you know, we can look at oh, what's my blood type or what's my ancestry. But quite frankly, I can't go back and eat like that and do very well. What's going on there? Well, I think... Um... Uh, you've made a very good point. And, and like I, I mentioned, if we mention a little, the science we found is that what these gut microbes produce depend on what gut microbes are down there or, or aren't there, and also what we feed them. So um, what we found in a nutshell in autism, they have a damaged microbiome. They have abnormal microbes, and which are already kind of unstable, and things skew uh, between the production of these things called short-chain fatty acids, too much of a thing called propionate. Don't want to be technical, but we've done a lot of studies on how this stuff affects the immune system, learning, memory, um, development, very related to autism, but also other conditions. Um, so again, what people would find is that these children would crave, it's not so much that they need a special diet initially, as their diet was terrible. They craved refined sugars, mm-hmm. um, hidden sugars, which we can get into. There's a lot with that about thinking you're eating healthy, but actually finding it's not that healthy. And, and also, really more importantly, an absence of the more traditional older foods that you don't have to go back 10,000 years. You could go to your parents or your grandparents, where we tended to eat more whole foods. We tended to eat more whole vegetables that were lightly cooked. Or, and, and if we had breads and grains, they would not be overly processed. They would be just sort of the antibiotic, uh, sorry, the the ingredients would be like you could put it on one hand. What was actually in there, and a lot of the um, cases of these children craving these foods were skewing the microbes to make these things that caused aggression, obsessional behavior, antisocial, and all the biochemical changes of autism, and actually relating to things like depression. So people oh, so, thought, you know. So here we're looking at how um, the health and balance of the bugs in our gut actually affects us psychologically. So now we're looking at the emotional realm. That's fascinating. Yeah. And so, so you know, back to what your, your original question. So we understood this in these, in these severe illnesses. And people are wondering, well, if you change the diet, sometimes by eliminating these foods, these kids improved. And people went in, you probably heard it in the media broadly, oh, we're allergic to wheat, um, we're allergic to, to, to dairy, now, let me be clear. There are some subgroups that were sensitive to this, but that it was not the main thing we found. What it was tending to do was not cause an allergy. It was, like I said, changing what bugs were down there and what they were producing. So, again, what, 
generally for the everyday person, not just people with autism, but certainly people that have these immune inflammatory conditions that may have an abnormal microbiome, it is more important to what they eat. In the same way, a diabetic that has a metabolic problem has to be more careful with what they eat than the general population. But the diets that diabetics and, you know, it's more like what we should all eat. So what should we eat? What we have to do is eat much more whole vegetables, um, you know, your squashes, your greens, your root vegetables, whole things, rather than things that have been smushed into oblivion in terms of being able to be put on a shelf long term. Why is this? These compounds, believe it or not, seem to feed the bugs and have them produce good, the, these fatty acids called butyrate that seem to be good for us. They're anti-inflammatory, they improve learning and memory, and they seem in our studies even improve energy metabolism. So more vegetables. The other thing are uh, um, less, um, uh, it's not a question of completely not having any wheat or dairy. Whole, less, less. Uh, wheat, but more whole wheats, things that are not broken down and full of major preservatives and, and really overly processed. It's the non-digestible fibers in these foods that is basically good bug food. So it's very different to have sort of your local artisan bread or something you made yourself or, uh, you know, a bread that can sit on a shelf for four months. The other thing is um, fermented foods. These have bugs in them that seem to help. So they're generally rare foods. Now, here's where people sort of get in the wrong direction. They'll say, okay, I want to eat. I'm allergic to gluten and casein. So I think I am, but I haven't really had the proper test. But I do know, and I believe them, that when I eat those foods, I, I feel worse. So then they'll have gluten, casein-free foods and, and things that are produced. Um, and what they have in them so they don't taste like cardboard is they are full of hidden sugars. So mm -hmm. now you're getting more of the refined sugars. The other thing is like I, I drink a lot of orange juice, but it's not like, like eating an orange that has all the fibers of the orange, which again is bug food. I'm eating orange juice that's made from 20 oranges and it's full of sugar so it doesn't taste you know really off, <laughs> right? So there's <laughs> right. a lot of hidden foods where people can just, you know, it, it's not total rock and science. Eat the whole fruit rather than the refined stuff. Don't, you know, the other thing with juicing people meant, well, because they're all getting all these vitamins and antioxidants. And be clear, there's a lot of them in fresh local foods. They actually help your metabolism. We've worked on this. But at the same time, you can see if you're taking 20 fruits and vegetables, getting that juice, it has a lot of nutrients. But you've squished out all the fibers. You follow me? That's mm -hmm. what you need. So <laughs> it's like basically it's not major rocket science. You're eating these gradual foods. And you're eliminating a large amount of refined sugars and stuff. So like um, eat, and the other, eat, food, eat food like it was before man got his grubby little hands on it. Right. Now, there's some clear <laughs> things you have to watch sometimes because people have a thing saying, oh, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not ever going to cook food. I'm going to eat raw foods. When you're dealing with huge populations, humans before were a few thousand people. Now we live in societies with millions of people. We have to pay attention to the basic hygiene. So basic washing of a lot of these vegetables before. Do like the Asians did. They lightly cooked them. You know, Asians, in, in, again, they're a society in China and stuff. They've lived in huge populations for a long time. So they tended to eat almost all their vegetables were cooked, but they were kind of flash cooked. You know, so most of the bacteria, the bad stuff. The bad stuff that's going to make you sick is mostly because another guy handled it with his bugs getting onto you rather than anything particular on the, on the food. And, but a lot of people, they have major eliminations of wheat and dairy, 
and they think that I'm allergic to, to milk, but yet they can eat yogurt. You see, that's not the same. It's more of uh, eating high amounts of, of, of regular milk. Now, other people say, oh, I'm just going to eat raw organic milk. Now, that can be potentially dangerous in environments where we are, right, where you, you don't have, you know, a couple of cows that are on the top of a hill, right, and, and that would right. probably be safer. So the, the moderate view of more vegetables, eat, eat more vegetables, lots of it, you know, lots of them, mostly fresh. You get your starches that are more complex from whole potatoes, to, you know, rather than fries and stuff, boiled, baked, um, uh, you know, some breads, but less. The biggest thing is, we're, in layman's terms, I think we're feeding these bugs too much too soon. This gets, you know, as a point you mentioned before with breastfeeding, the, the milk that comes from breast milk from humans, people wondered why it had all these sugars that we couldn't digest. Guess what it was for? It was food for the first bugs in your gut. So some of the formulas, not all of them, you know, may not be as good as normal breast milk. But having said that, we do need certain formulas. So there's a lot of potentials in early formulas that are starting to look at adding these sugars. So things are not good or evil. People can get, also get into such a restricted diet that they're not getting their general nutrients. And they also tend to eliminate these foods long term. So you know, not to people that have IBS, right? There's some linkages similar to what we're doing, and they have anxiety, depression. They're pretty smart, but they have bad guts, and they're not imagining it. So initially, they say, "I'm eating all these vegetables and onions. They're going right through me." The main reason is they tend are missing the bacteria that digest them. So gradual reintroductions of these foods, very slowly, is the best thing in any diet. You know, when people are changing, the biggest thing people do, I'm sure, you've, they go on these crash diets, they change very rapidly. What do you think that does to the microbiome? It bites back, literally. <laughs> so you want to do a gradual, you know, there's people that do economic work that show that, you know, using microbiome modeling, you know, so if you're coming in too quickly with, with offending agents, it, it, the microbiome says, get out of here. But yeah. if you gradually, slowly introduce a diversified broad diet um it's beneficial another thing so i might what, make what does, it you know what i'm sorry what does this have to do with acquired food allergies how are microbiome um uh related to acquired food allergies and that's one yeah, minute and again, that, that one yeah, this is a very good question because they're not really true allergies they're sensitivities there's some who are but what is tending to happen is people are becoming more sensitized, their microbiome has changed, and they're not able to digest those foods. Believe it or not, gradually reintroducing them may be useful. A true allergy is done by an allergist rather than people thinking that they can uh, actually change their diet. And, and, and they, they improve by removing the food. But the reality is, is it's more complex than that. Also, well, you're also broad cre creating a problem, aren't you? If you remove the food, then you're not feeding the ones, the microbiome that are needed to digest it. You're absolutely right. It has to be done with a physician or nutritionist's effects rather than these vast changes. Another thing, if people are completely vegan, there are certain cultures that were able to do it a long time, like in India. They still got some amounts of proteins from yogurt which has bacteria in it, and some minor amounts of fish and eggs. So their mm -hmm. microbiome is very different than people who are completely vegan in North America. Not saying right. you can't do it, but you have we'll, to address some of these issues. We'll have to take on the, these issues on another side of a commercial break. Dr. McFabe and I will be back shortly, so don't you dare go away. Visit our blog to ask questions and share, share your thoughts as we continue co-creating new solutions in a changing world at our website, thescienceofmagic.net. While you're there, 
Join our email family to be the first to receive our topic-driven episode collections. We are your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. This is the Science of Magic with Wilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simo TV. Simo TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi, and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From out of the woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www. WilliamSPeckham.com. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Do you have a curiosity? I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at the and suggest a topic or guest that's on your mind. 
I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Our guest this hour is Dr. Derek McFabe, the Assistant Professor and Director of Kaylee Pitchall-Evans Autism Research Group. His website, kpearg.com. Dr. McFabe, you are part of a, a autism research, and I'd, I'd like to get into autism. There's a lot of hype out there about it. You know, they say, oh, um, uh, antibiotics cause it, or they say that uh, immunizations cause it, or but it does seem to be on the rise. So what are you finding out there? So again, you, you've got these compelling stories of children having, some of them having normal development and then getting worse with all the symptoms you mentioned, with GI problems and weird food craving and sometimes improving, not all of them, but some of them you know, improving with diet. And then you have these whole pictures of immune system changes, you know, changes in energy, fat. We're, we're seeing a whole body condition. So, you know, and then we see this increase. Now, there's a genetic linkage. It's absolutely true. And, and a lot of great geneticists are showing that the, it runs in families. But, again, it's not the whole picture because you're right. You can't have a disease that's 1 in 10,000 that's gone up to 1 in 60. And particularly in people whose diets have changed and moving and migration, we're seeing this in the world as their diets are changing, as they're getting more westernized. So people have wondered what this regression is. But it's important that there are a lot of things happening at the same time with these children. The vaccine hypothesis directly has not come to fruition, but not the reality that changes in immune function and infection and antibiotics, things that all point to other things happening at the same time. The microbiome, don't forget, like, like we mentioned before, it's priming your immune system. It's making it work correctly and it's brain. So it's not inconceivable that people can become very sensitive to environmental agents like peanuts and stuff that aren't bad in themselves. The problem is the immune system that's been changed and the metabolism um, that's making us sensitive. So this gets into the specific work we've found. Again, we have to do things on science. The bacteria associated with autism produce these weird little molecules called short-chain fatty acids. So you eat these refined carbs, you make more of it. Actually, the compounds in food as well. So what we found is that the, from the science of it, these little molecules produce exactly all the things that we see in autism, the behavior, the inflammation, and all the complex, you can, people that want the science can see for free on our website all the studies we've done. It looks, at, they can produce things identically to autism in tissue culture and animals, and we're finding the same things with the immune systems from patients with autism, the work I did with Dr. Fry. You can put a, a blood from a patient with autism in a dish, and you can study it. And so it's all pointing to the gut microbes being the prime director through these fatty acids, skewing your immune system, your brain development, your energy, which is very exciting because, again, don't forget when we're giving medications and antibiotics or even vaccinations, we're trying to prevent illnesses that are happening. Do you know what I mean? At the same time, don't mm -hmm. be surprised when there's a car accident that you see a lot of police officers around and you see a lot of ambulances around. Right? didn't necessarily cause them. They're happening at the same time. So the biggest thing that's encouraging is the stuff that we're doing and with other groups is pointing to understanding the how. A gut microbe can make something strange by something we eat or by being skewed in its environment. The bug isn't bad. The environment becomes bad. And that is leading an orchestration that's causing brain and behavior changes. And, the good, and, and even turning on and off the genes that have been associated with autism. These bugs are, produce these fatty acids like a switch to turn a light bulb on and off, if you will, in, the, in, in terms of brain development. So this points in a direction of incredible abilities to look at the prevention of the illness, 
Who's at risk? Is a kid have a C-section, has antibiotics when they're early, they're off to a rough start? Those guys we may have to pay attention more to than the people that are doing okay. So then we have ways to prevent the condition. We have ways to promote healthy food. And when possible, we have an even more uh, strong region to eat right and have normal birth practices because it's not just junior being okay then. It's you know the whole life of the health of the person. So now you're getting into conditions, specific foods, compounds that improve um, our ability to handle these little fatty acids. Think of it like when we give insulin to patients with diabetes. We want them to eat well. We look after their health, but we have to improve their metabolism. So this is a completely different direction and a very encouraging direction on the prevention of autism, but also helping these folks that are here, not just when they're kids, when they grow up. And they are growing up. The cost of looking after these children through life is now about $5 million U.S. per person. Mm. And our society has to look after them. And then there are other conditions that are associated, antisocial behavior, different things, learning disabilities. I think the, inv- the bugs are you know, giving a message to us at one level and saying, hey, guys, wake up. Something's going on in the environment, and we have to look at it. This addresses medicine, early childhood, and shows that we can do a tremendous amount with simple birth practices, breastfeeding, but also makes us sort of know that our food systems need tweaking. We cannot have a complete overhaul, but there's a tremendous potential for general health in the role of nutrition. You know, it seems like we're kind of in a really um, difficult place right now. One thing that I have learned is it's not as easy to recolonate as it is to murder. <laughs> so in other words, we, 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 we've done genocide on our bugs, but it's not as easy to, to, to reestablish them. Plus, our food, and like you say, we've migrated, we're blending cultures, we're blending diets, uh, we've got a lot of artificial food out there that's uh, kind of empty harvest, if you will. How are we going to turn this around? Well, you know, I'm I'm encouraged by the complexity of of creation and the biology there that this stuff has been self-sustaining a heck of a lot longer than us. And it's like things we find in nature, you know, you can have a, a trout stream that doesn't work or a wilderness that doesn't work and we think it's decimated, but when you sometimes leave it the heck alone, <laughs> it has this capacity to recover. I do think, you know, and humans are funny people. We don't do anything till the night before the exam, and sometimes we pass it. But I think what we're finding now is it's is not trivial, the role of these microbes in general health and disease. I think what's the best thing to do is just like what you're doing, having an interest in, in the general population, understanding what this means and what it doesn't mean. Because the most amazing thing back to antibiotics is when Fleming got his award, he says, I envisage a time when we use too much of this, the first antibiotic, penicillin, and it's going to spread and people are going to come resistance. People didn't listen to them then, said that it was perfect and there were no problems. And let's face it, a lot of people's lives were saved by them, but now they're not working. So now we have to go back to the same phase of the microbiome diet, probiotics, restoring the microbiome. But we also don't want to say, hey, everything's perfect, or you know, it's going to fix everything. That's what we're finding. There are long-term effects. The biggest thing like whether it's science or biology or culture or history, is understanding things and, and people talking with each other and sharing their background and being able to, to ascertain the long-term effects of illness. Medicine was very good. It was based on, I hate saying it, war. You know, you could kill something or treat it, and you would see an event earlier, and it was quite dramatic when we understood basic surgery. But now we're left with these chronic illnesses. You know, we, we want to have a mixture of both. And I, I really think there are ways to do with this. I'm, I'm encouraged because I don't think we were 
were like people were bad or there was conspiracy theories. We didn't know this. We, we have the scientific expertise of doing this now. We can follow long populations when they had antibiotics or didn't and how they end up with their health. So it is very encouraging. But I think people, you have to empower them with understanding this and sticking to a lot of the peer-reviewed research and the general explanations. Our website has every, we're not for profit. It's all free and open access. And when people start understanding this, they can also make some very small, seemingly innocuous changes to their diet. And they'll say, hey, it isn't just because my, you know, my suit or my dress will fit better. I'm changing my bugs for my general health. Or maybe if I'm going to be pregnant or planning to become pregnant, I'm going to help junior coming into the next world. And there's a lot of evidence that is an enormous effect. We Most of our work in medicine that we've done really well has been food, hygiene, birth practices, right? Mm-hmm. And if we can insert this knowledge generally into people, that can have a tremendous amount for the health of them, their children, but everybody else, right? Uh, and, and also the understanding that this is something in evolution, it's very encouraging. But if we jump start and think, you know, not probiotics, putting good bugs in, there's a tremendous potential, but there are good studies and bad studies. And, you know, there's industrial interest in this, but it, one has to go back to where these things are useful. It's one thing to take them when we're after antibiotics, another thing to take them, you know, through your whole life. I'm not saying that's wrong. It just has to be developed from studying. But I, I we, really we think a, we, we can help a lot of people with this. We have about one minute left as a takeaway. What advice do you have for our listeners as the single most important thing they can do about gut issues? Respect your little rainforest in your gut. Feed it nicely. Avoid these huge swings. Uh, eat a food that's similar to our, you know, just simple foods. Uh, the less you do to it, the better. Light cooking. Sounds crazy. Simple hand washing when you get the kids home. Get them out good and dirty playing in the woods where they'll get good bugs like we used to do, like your grandma telling you to go outside and have fun. These things also play a tremendous role. Uh, You know, avoiding foods with millions of additives and preservatives. Cook them on your own um, and, uh, uh, you know, get, get, get a little bit involved in understanding this work rather than huge swings and, mm. and, and sways. Well, you know, uh, and, I'm, afraid, uh, I'm afraid our time has come to a close. Dr. McFabe, thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing this very important information to our listeners. Thank you so much. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Derek McFabe, the Assistant Professor and Director of the Kaylee Pitchall Evans Autism Research Group. Among his research is gut, gut microbiome, brain interactions, and the identification of possible treatments of autism spectrum disorders. His website is kpearg.com. Again, that address is kpearg.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at thescienceofmagic.net. This has been The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka. Our executive producer is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Until next time, dear ones. May you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you embrace your inner community. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, 
the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the esoteric series, modern esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.